George Burns is Jack Watson, ladies' man. Do you think she's a little too young for you? Look, I'd go out with women my age, but there are no women my age. And birthday boy. I wish I could do it again because I had that much fun. But this year, he's celebrating... Grandpa! ...in his grandson David's body. Are you all right? Fine. What the hell happened to my voice? Do you believe that a person can go from one body to another? Charlie, I got my wish. I'm 18 again. He thinks like George Burns. Maybe you'd rather be hang gliding or something. What, with my arthritis? But he looks a lot younger. <coughs> you got any decent cognac in this place? Now he's going back to school. <laughs> Do you have a problem? Do you realize the last time I saw a naked lady? Last Thursday. <laughs> Meeting the student body. But you said you didn't want to dance. And having the time of his life. <laughs> okay, my spin is a little off. The second time around. Well, you're honest at least. What am I doing? I'm cheating on my own grandson. You had it all. And now you really have it all. George Burns. Come back, I can't wait. Do you mind if I finish this cigar? Charlie Slatter. Anything else you want to know, Professor, don't hesitate to ask. <laughs> 18 again. All right. Welcome to the potty swap. I don't know. We're going to have to work on a better intro. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not entirely married to that one. We'll, we'll have to come up with something. Uh, but nevertheless, welcome to this brand new, very silly, very ridiculous podcasts where we discuss one of our uh, top three favorite genres of movies, the body swap genre. I am JC. Uh, welcome to the show alongside my very good friend, co-host, companion, Mr. Kevin Castro. Future swap, buddy. Wait, that sounds Future weird. Whoa, swap. wait a second. I mean, the, to be clear, this is not wife swap or anything else like that. We're strictly <laughs> talking about the body swap. Uh, but yeah, we are. that is our end game for this podcast, to talk about body swap movies and eventually swap bodies. Yes, that is the goal. I think it's a pretty reasonable goal. And I think when we watch these movies, we're going to, you know, we kind of discuss, you know, what's the best way to do it? Should we do a face-off surgery? Should we do a magical wish? These movies are going to really give us the best option to go with when we're ready to swap body. Absolutely. And we might even be able to combine some of them. Mm. So maybe we're eating fortune cookies while peeing in a well. <laughs> while doing a pinky promise and saying some birthdays. kind of spell on our birthdays yes yeah. there's so many different options or maybe we're just driving in a car i don't know <laughs> because speaking of that on our inaugural episode of potty swap we are going to be talking today about the 1988 feature film masterpiece 18 again starring the late george burns wow yeah, George Burns. He, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this movie, but first and foremost, I will say, uh, as I mentioned in our previous discussion, this was the first ever body swap movie I had ever seen. 
But I mean, George Burns, a legend, a, a comedic legend, a singer, uh, an actor. Uh, I what was it? Was it Oh God, Dear God? Oh God, yeah, Oh God, and then Oh God, You Devil, and yeah, the, that's the one I remember vividly is God versus the Devil, both played by George Burns. Yes. Wow. So, what's interesting is in this movie, George Burns is playing an eighty-one-year-old grandfather. Yes. At the time, he was legitimately 91. 91 going on 92. And then he still lived to be 100 years old. He didn't die until 1996. Right. So I'm no math But if he was 100 uh-huh. and, he was bo- and he died in 1996, uh-huh. that means he was born in 1896. Correct. Totally baffled me because... I happen to love the video game Red Dead Redemption. Okay. Two. That takes place in 1899. Huh. So George Burns would have been three <laughs> in that movie. Now, do you so, think in 1899, Lil George Burns had a cigar? Absolutely. Okay, good. So at this point, I started to deep dive into well, what was going on. So George Burns was six years younger than the stop sign. (laughs) So the stop sign did not exist. No, there was no need for it because there was no cars. (laughs) The stop sign was invented in 1890. Oh my God. Candy corn was invented in 1898. When did it become delicious? Because candy corn to me is always he was George Burns was basically born before fun. Yeah, I mean, so you could argue that George Burns helped invent fun. Ooh, I think we're on to something. So this is something we'll be able to talk about because one of the things I, I was really getting into while watching this movie about a 91-year-old man playing an 81-year-old man was that contemporary speaking, we don't have that many living legends alive today that could like be that George Burns, right? We, I feel like the closest one we could have had was uh, Betty White, rest in peace. She mm-hmm. was just weeks away from turning 100, but she would have been perfect for like a, a an 18 again situation. Oh, yeah. But who who would you have her swap with? If, if you were making this movie. So the, the problem is, and this is where I'm going to start to reveal that my finger is not on the pulse of pop culture like it used to be. So what like 18 year old girls do I know? I don't I don't friggin know. <laughs> but as I say that, I've Why got the perfect to be a girl. That's a good point. Although, but if I, I feel like if we were going by the conventions of 18 true. again, very true. I've got the answer just talking about it right now. She just turned 18 years old, Millie Bobby Brown. So Millie Bobby Brown and, jo- and Betty White in 18 again, the reboot. Yeah, that would have been money. Because I could picture like Millie Bobby Brown playing like a nerdy, like 18 year old girl, but then she would totally nail it as the Betty White sassy old lady. She could do that. Yeah, yeah I could see that. I don't know if Betty White had the mobility. Well, I mean, did George Burns? 
Oh, well, he did spend a good chunk of the movie <laughs> laid down, hooked up to life support. <laughs> That's true. Okay, before we before we get too far away from it, let's let's do a quick synopsis of this film for those. For, for those that haven't seen this movie, I feel like if you haven't seen this movie, you should pause this podcast right now and you should go right ahead and watch 18 again. It's available for free on Tubi. That's how I watched it. I did as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and actually now I'm all in on Tubi. I've been watching movies on oh, Tubi absolutely. all weekend. If it's for free, if it's free, it's for me. You know? <laughs> I had a very good weekend on Tubi. So thank you for that <laughs> 18 again. Thank you, Mr. Tubi. <laughs> Mr. Gerald Tooby, uh, president of the Tooby Foundation. All right. 18 again, 1988, released on April 8th, 1988, directed by Paul Flattery. Following a car accident on his 81st birthday, ruthless businessman Jack Watson, played by George Burns, discovers that he's somehow switched bodies with his timid 18-year-old grandson, David played by Charlie Schlatter. While David lies comatose in Watson's aging body, Watson has no choice but to adopt his grandson's identity. Thrilled with his newfound youth, Watson excels at sports and becomes the most popular kid at school. But with his new lease on life comes a new perspective as well. I have some bones to pick with the synopsis. <laughs> Jump on in. <laughs> Maybe you can help me with this. Okay, what do we got? First and foremost, is he a ruthless businessman? He didn't seem it. The only thing that made him ruthless was maybe he didn't listen to his son. Right. His, that was about it. His, like, 60-year-old son. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> also, I take umbrage with Watson has no choice but to adopt his grandson's identity. I would say he was very quick to adopt his identity and didn't think twice about his comatose grandson. No, no. And he, he was out of there pretty quick, actually. Yeah. He got the fuck out of there really quick. <laughs> and, um, the other thing, and we will, we'll dive into this. We talk a little bit further, but the whole most popular kid at school thing, I, I take great, I have great frustration with this movie being set in college when it's very clearly high school dynamics for for David, the character of David. Yeah. Uh, this part of we discussed it briefly uh, offline, which was my fascination with all 80s comedies taking place mm -hmm. with a mediocre, lovable loser that just isn't quite good enough in some sort of redundant sport. Mm -hmm. uh, like track, no offense to any track runners. But, uh, <laughs> I don't really see many track movies. So no. yeah, it, it, I, I think that they, they just needed to have that um, fraternity feel for, for the big bad of the movie. So if I was a very talented screenwriter making it big in Hollywood, I think I would have played this as high school senior David getting ready to go to his grandfather's alma mater college. Then you can kind of merge the, the college aspects you want to do, the frat stuff, and you you can still kind of play in that high school wheelhouse because I know they make a big deal about him being 18 and everything else, but like they play it so so much with the high school cliches that it was really, it was really took me out of it. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, the, there really wasn't that much, like, half, had to be 18 to make the movie. No. and At least not that I noticed. And maybe it's because we live in a different time now, but the visual of an 18-year-old kid sipping on some cognac and smoking a cigar, it doesn't seem that wild to me, you yeah. know? <laughs> maybe back in 88, it was a thing, that kid can't be drinking, can't be doing that, like, but... Really, kids these days are doing far worse. Or better, depending or better. on your perspective. That's true. That's very <laughs> true. Very true. Um, Paul Flaherty, the director of this movie, I don't know. Did you take a look at his filmography by any chance? I did not. Okay. So uh, not the most illustrious filmography. I, I I wouldn't say it's the worst filmography I've ever seen. On three-way theater, we I watched countless movies we all did of some truly horrendous directors and some great ones too. But for, for this, um, besides this film, the only, the two other motion pictures that he directed was, um, who's Harry Crumb, which I actually really like with John. Okay. Yes. Uh, Clifford with Martin short and Charles Grodin. Uh, Okay. Yep, that was the last major motion picture he did. He also did one episode of the Larry Sanders show and uh, two episodes of Mad TV. Oh, he's got about 11 credits to his record. There was a couple of the TV shows here and there. But like, yeah, his his motion picture output started with 18 again. Went to Harry Crumb, ended with Clifford. I, I think I was more caught up. The fact that the grandson, I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Charlie Schlatter playing David. He played Ferris Bueller on the very short-lived Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV show. Yes. Which, that came out around the same time as Parker Lewis, Can't Lose. Well, that was always my confusion because I, I mean, I definitely obviously know Parker Lewis, Can't Lose. Actually, the other day I made a Kubiak reference and no one knew what I was talking about. <laughs> And then I looked around, and I'm like, how old am I? Jesus Christ. But I always mix up the fact that they did that Parker Lewis show right around the same time as the Ferris yes. Bueller spinoff. And, and he out-Ferris them. He did! Yes! And if I recall correctly, Jennifer Aniston was in the, the Ferris Bueller show she as was. well. Yep. Yeah. So that was a little crazy to me. Even crazier, who was his best friend? Oh my, well, that was the thing. I couldn't even look past who the young character of David was because I was still blown away that Paulie Shore was in this goddamn movie. And he's playing a normal character. Right. It's not the Paulie Shore we know and love or sometimes despise. This isn't Biodome Paulie Shore. This isn't. This, this was no weasel. <laughs> no, not at all. And he plays it. I don't want to say he plays it pretty straight because I feel like there was a gay subplot of this movie that they never explored. I think Pauly Shore was in love with David in the movie. I, I definitely think he was in love with his best friend. Uh, I can see that. But I mean, that's that's a road that they were not going to go down to uh, have George Burns, uh, David play like, oh, 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 my friends, my son, my grandson's best friend is also a gay. Oh, that would have been in, in 88. They would not play that in 88. No. They definitely would. I mean, I, I would be interested in seeing what happens with that. But there's. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no way they were going to go with that. Um, 
but yeah, Polly Shore in this movie, one of his earliest film roles. I mean, that's what I was saying. I was looking in the cast credits because at first I like, did a triple take being like, is that Polly? And like the credits are going on and on. I'm like, maybe he went by a different name. Then he's like the lowest build on the cast <laughs> before catering. Um, the other thing, you know, so, you know, it'd be established that this movie set at college at the alma mater of George Burns's character because there's a giant like oil painting of him in the frat so when david comes home from secretly painting a mural on the side of a wall he comes home to looking at grandpa up on the above the fireplace so like david should be a made man right he's a a pledge he's a pledge but he's an honor he's a he's a what do they call it's a family like you know he's in no matter what yeah, and even the people that were picking on him weren't exactly the uh, the cream of the crop, I would say. No, like, I didn't really... <laughs> that, that would be like me picking on Dally. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the president of the fraternity and his couple of friends, and they're doing the Biff Tannen, you've got to do my homework, but make it slightly different so we don't get caught. Which... Again, okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Wait, which again, that falls back into that that whole high school, eighties yes. high school, yeah, trope. Right, and you know we're we're learning about David and how much of a nerd he is. We see that he is in love with the prettiest girl in his history class, uh, played by uh, who I recognize as the as the one of the go- girls from Charles in Charge. That's yes. what I remember her from. Um, this was a pretty solid cast of like 1980s, like cuties and, and funny actors and things like that. I thought that was pretty good. And we see the old teacher immediately kind of like sexually assault the girl. Yeah. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable to, to witness. But it was also a choice in a movie where we know just knowing off the synopsis that an 81 year old man is going to be jumping into the body of the grandson. But we're we're making we're shining a light on this fifty year old teacher hitting on her. I don't yeah. know. I don't Another know. Choice. It's it, it, there's a lot of odd choices in this movie where I'm like, they don't know if they thought this thing through. But we then get to see David on the race track when he's not a very good racer, and he's just kind of a sad sack loser. And we spend the first 10 minutes of this movie just seeing in all the ways that he's kind of a loser, you know? And I thought it was a very interesting choice because by the time they finally introduce George Burns as, as Jack Watson, I'm like, uh, okay, whose movie is this? Yeah. This, this definitely seemed like a, uh, George Burns was attached to it just to get it made. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they, if they were looking for investors, they're like, we got this great new George Burns movie. <laughs> and won't those investors be surprised when they find out that George Burns is actually only in about 30% of this movie? Yeah. So we get introduced to George Burns. My One of my first big notes is that he looks like he's being operated on by Jim Henson and he's being voiced by Frank Oz. That's pretty spot on, actually. <laughs> like, he's just the way he's walking, 
like the 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 hump and the <laughs> the shuffle. <laughs> yeah, it was very Muppet esque. I mean, again, but then when you realize that this man was actually ninety one years old, god damn, he's doing pretty good. Yeah, and you figure, you know, with all the cigars and the the cognac and that's probably what kept him alive, to be honest. Most likely. You know, that that's what some people say, you know. Those bad habits that these old men are still doing into their 90s. Good for them. But uh yeah, this vehicle is for George Burns suffers every every fate of a comedian in a movie. Uh I kind of call it the Chris Rock disease where they're only doing their bits. Like yeah. that's all they can do. They can only do their shtick. The introduction to him and for what he actually contributed to the movie was very minimal. <laughs> right. At best. At best. Well, we find out, well, you know, later in the movie as we get into it and he's doing these voiceovers and it sounds like he's got a gun against his head to do these voiceovers. Like they were trying to find any way because they threw in a couple of fantasy sequences to give George Burns something to do. But I'm like, they really sidelined him and that's going to be to me, the, the biggest problem with this movie, and we'll we'll get there once we get to the swapping. But you know, we we meet George Burns, we meet the father, his son, so David's father. It's weird how they just kind of skipped over the dad, though, huh? Yeah, they they start out with him like that's the big lead up to uh, to George Burns. Yeah, and you know he's carrying all these these looks like plans or designs or something and has the a heartfelt conversation to an empty chair. <laughs> right. And and I guess I guess that is supposed to be the introduction to the ruthless businessman. It's the fact that he was in the John. <laughs> right. Like it's not he's not as evil as like, you know, uh weekend at Bernie's Bernie. Or he's not like or like Frank Reynolds on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, this evil business tycoon. Like he's just a he's a kind of a cheeky old man. He doesn't doesn't take his son seriously. Yeah, it was it was suggested that there was some sort of tension between the two of them, but it was just glossed over so quickly that yeah. it was unnecessary. Completely unnecessary, and it's like. It's almost a situation where you, I kind of wish they just didn't even include the father in the movie. It, it, I agree. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying they should kill the dad off, but like if the relationship is primarily well, between a Disney movie, <laughs> like you can keep the mom around, but get rid of the dad because you got grandfather, grandson dynamic to play with. We're then jumping it to the 81st birthday party of, of Jack Watson we kind of get to meet some of the other characters in the movie. We get to meet the mom, who is another like uh, 80s actress. I couldn't really think of what she was in, but yeah, she's been know. in a lot of stuff. Um, actually, is she Randy Quaid's wife in the Vacation movies? I think that's who she plays. I think she plays uh, Beverly D'Angelo's cousin there in the vac- in the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Okay, um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you know, we also get to meet um, another one of uh, his friend, his old man friends, uh, Charlie, played by Red Buttons, and also Such one of my a great name. Red, that, I'm telling you, people were named. They were great names back then. 
I think that's my second favorite name next to a uh, Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip Torn is a fantastic one. It really is. They don't they don't make names like they used to. <laughs> also, the fantastic uh, kind of uh, uh, was a femme fatale, uh, sleazy girlfriend of George Burns, Madeline, Madeline played by Anita Morris. She kind of plays it as like a real Marilyn Monroe. Uh, yeah, like a dirty Marilyn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she did the, she did like the happy birth, happy birthday. Like she tried to do that. <laughs> but uh, she's immediately shown to be a gold digger and her main goal is to fuck the 18-year-old grandson. And And they went hard on that legitimately literally hard yes that kid went to the bathroom to go jerk it off <laughs> they did not show that in the movie <laughs> they did that was a deleted scene <laughs> and again and again just saying uh, it, it, she wants some of that 18 year old meat that's fine but the father is once again getting passed over he's going to be the yeah. owner of this company when george burns kicks it He's just left out of the cold and she's an unnecessary character, completely unnecessary. And we get to, we get to, uh, uh, also just to kind of show you the humor of 1988, uh, at one point when, when the husband, when the father and wife show up to, you know, wish George Burns a happy birthday, he's like, Oh, glad you could make it. And he's immediately insulted because that's an insult in 1988 making yeah. it like well man what a different time that was like a risque joke back then <laughs> yeah they and they went a little too long on that too yes you know he's explaining it to his wife he's like that's that's an innuendo <laughs> i mean somehow this movie made it to an hour and 40 minutes and they were stretching these scenes out yeah. looking for anything because again when the big birthday cake is popped out with the big 81 giant comically oversized 81 on top of the cake you know they they ask george burns they're like hey you know are you are you, ha are you happy and and as sad as it is again my my mathematical skills I looked at that cake and I said, <laughs> that's 18 backwards. <laughs> well, they definitely, when they did that reverse shot of uh, George Burns and David, like on each side. So when it did the reverse camera angle, it showed the 18. That's mm -hmm. exactly like, you know, that's what they were going for. The art department was pretty proud of themselves on that one. A lot but, of high fives that day. Mm -hmm. A lot of making it that day. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and they're asking him, hey, Jack, you know, have you had a good life? I've got a beautiful, talented girlfriend. I've got a family that loves me. I've got a perfect job. I got cigars. Is there anything you could want? Yeah. Give me it to me and be sharp. And then uh, he does. I can't call it singing. I think we have to say that it was like it's spigging. It's it's speak singing. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a, a safe analysis there. And he did the 19... Okay, so originally I looked at this. So it was originally a Jerry Lee Lewis song. And then in 1980, George Burns covered this song, and it was a top hit in 1980. 
and I had to think about it. So in 88, he was 91. So eight years previous, he recorded this song, I Wish I Was 18 Again, and it was a top hit on the charts. So it took them that long to make this movie, basically. (laughs) you got to figure it was in development at some point or another. Because, I mean, why else do you have that song? Why else remake that song? Well, that was a big thing in the 80s, too, where they would just take these old songs and then make movies like, you know, Dream a Little Dream or Lean on Me or Stand by Me. or I just it was wild to me. Like, I mean, and listen, I love the 80s. The 80s have some of my favorite movies. Like, it was, what a, what a time to be alive. I, I could do without it. <laughs> Honestly. I don't know. I'm a little nostalgic. I think, I think there's too much 80s nostalgia. I think that there's definitely. what it is. Um, but. I think it's one of those things where people kind of skipped over 90s nostalgia. See, that's like, my jam. I mean, sure. I mean, I, <laughs> I think there's something to be said. Like, you would think that because, like, the 70s were a huge time to be nostalgic about. You think about, like, Dazed and Confused and those movies. Like, they're really focusing on the 70s. The 80s had their day, and people are still nostalgic about the 80s. The 90s kind of got screwed over. But, like, there's not... I don't know. I don't think they put that focus. They're still looking back to the 80s. And I think that's why you're kind of sick of it. You know, it's like, eh, it's, yeah. it is what it is. But uh, yeah, Jerry Lee Lewis, I Wish I Was 18 Again, covered by George Burns. In 1988 years later, they finally get a reason to put it in the movie. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. You know, time turns the pages. Burns. In life it goes by fast. The years turn to black hair to gray. I talk to young folks and they don't understand the things this old man has to say. That sounds like my life. (laughs) Oh, I wish I was 18 again. Oh, my God. That was was pretty spot on. Yeah, you know, George. It's my uh, Frank Oz as George Burns impression. (laughs) 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 Got a marionette puppet here. You know, it's fine. So this was something we kind of talked about off air. So I think we can kind of start talking about it now because the it doesn't take too long before the swap happens. But they do the blowing out the candles bit. And my first note was, well, this must be where they switch bodies. And it wasn't. No. Like slow motion. They're both blowing candles. I thought that was it. I was like, oh, okay, they're doing it right now in front of a group of, like, a party full of people. That's great. Nothing happens. I'm like, okay. So what now? And then it's an excuse to get George Burns and the grandson in the car to go to a diner to eat food. And, again, they have a very unnecessary scene where George Burns hits on the waitress. and He goes, that's how you do it. And uh, David has the perfect comeback that he goes, yeah, you're a cute old man, a puppet that is smoking a cigar and saying dirty things. If I said that to her, like I would get punched in the face. He's not wrong. Yeah, not at all. Of course I get proven wrong for the next hour and a half of this movie when like 
18 year old George Burns says all these fucking things and everybody eats it up with a spoon, but that's besides it. But, but we'll get into that. Right. Because, you know, follow up from the diner scene, uh, you know, they're talking, Jack and David, uh, you know, they want to spend more time with each other. And a horrible idea to have an 81 year old man driving his own luxury vehicle because he immediately almost runs over some construction workers and then crashes into an antiques building. And apparently that is what caused the swap. Holding hands caused the swap too. So they crash into this building. I feel like they could have done a better job with the big crash scene. It was very just like, I'm just, so actually my friend, my friend works uh, for five guys. And just two days ago, somebody drove their car right into the, into the five guys building in Framingham and just crashed right into the building. So it's kind of the same thing. This guy just, you know, he got out of the way, construction workers, ah, and then he very goes like 30 miles up the, (laughs) onto the sidewalk and into the building. Like it's not dramatic enough to be like, it wasn't a flip. Like it wasn't explosions. But the aftermath of it made it look like it was devastating. True. And they're both lying there in big trouble in the car and their their hands touch. And apparently that does it. That's the but switch. Was, was that because of the wish at the birthday? Was this just... That's a great question. Because, okay, here's what I would have liked. I would have liked it if that... I mean, you don't need to spend more than 30 seconds beforehand... But if the antique shop owner had a magical vase or potion or like old Egyptian artifact and it crashes in the car and it falls into their lap and that switches their body. I don't know. See, I, I would have preferred if David had just said, oh, grandpa, I wish I had your confidence. What I would do with that so that he at least wanted to have something as opposed to just the grandfather going uh you know singing his little ditty and <laughs> i don't know the, the well definitely definitely lackage you're you're right about that because this is when the movie is taken away from david like he is essentially sidelined from the rest of this movie and it's it's jack's character george burns because all of a sudden he wakes up and he sees his son and his son's wife overhead. He's like, what's going on here? And they're talking to him like he's his, he's his son. And, you know, he pops up and we realize, oh my God, George Burns is in the body of David. Oh my God. And then they looks to the side and sees George Burns in a coma. Yep. And doesn't react. Like if you were having an out of body experience and you looked (laughs) to your left, uh-huh. And saw yourself hooked up to life support. You wouldn't be like, "Gotta go." I would freak the <laughs> fuck out. I would. I would immediately go over to my my dying body, that's on life support, and I'd be like, "I would have this existential crisis, this moment. I might be okay. Give me an hour. Give me a drink." But in that moment, when I realize I'm in the the body of my 18 year old grandson, and me, my body is lying there, and also. I've sentenced my grandson to a, a comatose body. That was my big thing. 
there, there was there really didn't seem to be any sense of urgency to uh to get his grandson out of there. <laughs> oh, because very selfishly, he's like, "Well, I'm good. I've got I've got a new body. I'm young again. I'm 18. I sang that song earlier. Sweet." And this, he gets dropped. He just gets dropped off at college. And this is one of those things where he pulls out the cigar that his grandfather gave him in the diner. So now he's got a cigar. And the the actor, Charlie Schlatter there, makes some choices on playing the George Burns role. And there's some interesting choices. Well, it was odd to me because it seemed to progress. So it starts out, it makes sense. He's running through the football field. He's doing cartwheels. He's jumping around. A very successful stunt double is doing all those things. Yes. <laughs> so so that to me made sense where, you know, as you said early, he's he's got Muppet movements and now he can move. But the more the movie went on, it was more of a caricature of George Burns. Like he starts kind of shuffling his feet and hunching himself over. So it's like, why? If if this was legitimately what happened, why would you be moving like that? Yep. I mean, the, the biggest the science people. <laughs> the biggest acting choice that Charlie Schlatter makes is a lot of squinting. Yeah. The squinting is a big part of it. And I think that's because jack watson or george burns wears glasses and david does not so i think the entire movie of squinting is that he just really needs the specs but wouldn't the, wouldn't that just mean that david had better eyesight i don't know that's true all right you know what that's a good point i didn't think of we'll that. just say he's not used to those bright lights all right no because also he had cataracts so that was the other thing like <laughs> uh, i don't know how that man still had his license to be honest with you uh, the other thing I recognize is that uh, because actually in all the body swap movies that I've ever seen, I think this is one of the longest swaps uh, because I think it's mentioned near the end of the movie that it's about two weeks in a coma, which means George Burns in the body of David a couple of weeks. A lot of time has passed. He smoked a lot of cigars and only visited him once, only once when he was feeling a little guilty. But what if David wakes up from his coma and now, okay, in in 20, like in 2022, David would be what, like 53 years old, 52 years old? Yep. And he has cancer now. He has lung cancer because his grandfather smoked 150 cigars <laughs> in two weeks. <laughs> like, what the fuck? That's the sequel that needs to happen now. <laughs> Oh my god. That was that was one of the biggest notes that I had because the second he popped out that first cigar, then he needed a matchbook and he saw it on the ground and he easily bent it over to pick it up. I'm like, that dude's gonna give him lung cancer in no time. Um so you're right. The the acting choices they got progressively weird as the movie went on. It started like I'm in a very you know, young, limber body, and like as it progresses, he does get kind of weird with it. <laughs> like yeah, I like wonder, they forgot what they were doing. It wasn't so much a body swap. It was more of a, okay, you're you're Jack now. You're an eighty-one year old man, <laughs> right? 
and then you know he gets to the the frat house and then he gets bullied by the by the president and again and like they're like and, and you know you better do our homework and that's when we start getting these voiceovers from george burns he's like who am i gonna tell dan rather a very 1988 joke yeah, it's a very topical and then paulie shore shows up in like George Burns has no idea who these people are. So he, they've got to do this weird introduction scene with every character meeting George Burns as David. Like, I'm your best friend. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, again, just stretching it out as, as much as... Yeah, they, they were definitely... Uh, it, it was almost as they were writing it as they were going. I could believe that. I actually, I that would not shock me one bit because if anything, I bet they, the majority of the movie was written around what do we do with George Burns? We're gonna let him riff. We're gonna let him say whatever the fuck he wants, and we'll fill in the other spots afterwards. Because once they sideline the actual George Burns body, and you have David playing George Burns, they don't really need him for anything. Exactly. Which makes you wonder how long he was actually on set for couple weeks at best like you got me for 18 days like get everything you need and i mean and then i'll get in the booth and do the voiceovers for you uh this brings um one of my favorite parts of any 1980s movie um which is the the art class featuring full-on nudity for no reason at all (laughs) also props for tubi for not censoring anything I was like, hey, tits. All right. <laughs> and it also made 80s gold. 80s gold. And also that made and that I had a like that ricochet memory of the fact that I had to have watched this in 1988 with my grandmother when those tits kind of flopping out. And I'm like, I wonder what my grandmother thought about this or what she said or if she tried to like hide it from me because I don't I don't remember that part. <laughs> I think it's just something I buried deep in my psyche. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's something that's going to come out in, a, in therapy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but they they focused in on that naked lady for a lot longer than they probably needed to. I appreciated it. And my other note from this was when Polly Shore shows back up for the history class again. All I could think of was that I wish Polly Shore was playing young George Burns. Oh, my God. That would have been fantastic. Like, I would have liked to have seen that if he played David. He was the grandson. I think that would have been good. I think he could have pulled that off. I think that would have put his whole career in a completely different trajectory. It might have. That's a great what-if scenario. (laughs) (laughs) Paulie, if you're listening to this, we're sorry. I'm sorry they didn't suggest it sooner. This is where we find out uh, this weird relationship that George Burns had with Harry S. Truman. Again, kind of unnecessary. Although that makes me think maybe George Burns was legitimately friends with Harry S. Truman. And like these are just stories that he's legitimately just throwing out there to be like, ah, I'm a funny 91-year-old man. I think it would be funny if, if that was the case, if he just completely went off script and just started talking about his buddy Harry. Yeah. Like, you know, his real name's Sergey. Okay, sure. Why not? Let's go with that. That's another George Burns bit. I don't know. I've never really listened to like comedy from George Burns, so I don't know what his act was like. I just remember him from the movies. Yeah, that's all I remember as well. 
But George Burns, you know, you know, Charlie Schlatter playing the George Burns, he immediately, like, just from his shit talking, endears himself to everybody in class. He's a hero already. And the girl likes him now. Everybody's laughing at him. And the bullies are jealous. The bullies are jealous. You know, I gotta admit, in, in a two-week stint, he's doing a lot of work to make his grandson more popular. But I don't know. But it wasn't intentional. He wasn't doing this to help his grandson out. This was right. just... The, 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 the whole thing was very self-serving. And because we opened this movie learning about David, and then he's taken out of the movie 15 minutes in, we don't have like an arc to follow. There's no like discovery. There's nothing for him to learn. He's in a coma. I would have, I mean, I guess it really would have been tough with an old man, George Burns, but I would have loved to have seen George Burns try to play the 18 year old kid. Like that's the, that's the best part about these body swap movies is that you get to see both character actors play the other person. I I think that brings us back to the whole Betty White concept of he just was not capable of. (laughs) True. True. Uh, I don't know. It's frustrating. I feel like it's a big missed opportunity. Um, <clears throat> we get to see, um, we get to see some fantasy sequences. Um, George Burns having dinner with the family of the girl that that David likes. A weird fantasy sequence <laughs> of just him at the dinner table, still being the eighteen-year-old kid, but he's George Burns. Yeah, that was that was a um I don't remember what the, the payoff for that was. Though. The payoff is like somebody storms in. I don't know if it's cops or something else, and they're like, that's not George that's not David Watson, yep, that's, that's Jack Watson, his 81-year-old grandfather. And like everybody freaks out. I'm like, uh what? <laughs> Again, I feel like that was a scene that was shot after the fact where they just needed to get more George Burns. Right. Because they did that other fantasy sequence where they sh- not a fantasy sequence is a flashback sequence of him having sex with Madeline, where like she so so David you know George Burns as David shows up at the house, sees the sleazy girlfriend hitting on David, and he's like she doesn't even know it's me yet. Yeah, and she goes, "Well, your grandfather and I were just friends. It was strictly platonic." He goes platonic, and then he flashes back to the first time they fucked. And they, dirty. Yeah. Also, let's be honest. Nineteen eighty-eight. They did not have blue chew, so I don't know what this man was getting. That's why it's platonic. <laughs> he just falls asleep immediately. She's like, "Yeah, you were great last night. Two cigars and some tape." <laughs> oh, the Lewinsky. Another dated reference. Yeah, at least at least I'm going into '90s references though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, also, there was a certain jokes in here where, like, with him pushing back against the girlfriend, George Burns' voiceover, he's like, "I'll kill her." There's no joke there. He is just saying he would yeah. murder that mur- that woman. In 1988, that was okay. You could say that. <laughs> This uh, as as um, 
Jack Watson and David Watson's body. I also noted that he really wants to fuck his grandson's girl that like that she likes that he likes like he wants to fuck her. Well, that's one of the big things too, and we'll get to that towards the end. Because they, they kind of – that had a weird vibe to me. But like I said, I'll go, I'll go over that when we get there. Well, I think that it's an opportunity – that, that was definitely his – that was his intention. Yeah, and I think this goes to the point – and one of the reasons why I wanted to do these body swap movies and what I wanted to ask you is that, like, if you're swapping bodies, what are the rules? Like, are – you know, is fucking on the table? Is that something that, like – you know, okay. Now, like granted, it depends on how big the table is. <laughs> like, is I mean, in this case, it doesn't really work out well. Either, either way, it wouldn't work out for David because one, he's in the body of George Burns, and two, he's in a coma. But see, that would have been a great scene for me, where he goes to the hospital and he says, "If you do not want me to have sex <laughs> with your girl, <laughs> move." That would have been he great. Didn't move. That would have been great. Um, we did kind of skip over that scene of him, that one visit to the hospital where he reunites with his old friend, Charlie, Red Buttons. And he's very quick just to tell his his old friend the truth. And his friend, like, they do one dance number and they all of a sudden believe him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what got, it wasn't so much how quickly he told him, it was how quickly Red Buttons believed him. Like, oh, it's got to be true. Right. Hey, we did a song and dance number, remember? You you knew the light of the silvery moon. <laughs> Remember that other Jerry Lee Lewis song I stole? <laughs> As one thing that I noticed is that there are these scenes. So like there's the scenes with with the girl, the grandson's love interest, that like there's scenes with Polly Shore where they're painting the mural. There's scenes with the bully, the president of the fraternity. And there are big gaps of this movie where they disappear for like 15 minutes at a time. Yeah. Like, so all of a sudden, like, okay, this segment is done. Let's go back to the frat brother. Uh, okay, I guess we have to circle back to what Pauly Shore is up to. Pauly Shore leaves this movie after the paint, the painting scene where they're painting the mural on the wall until the race at the end. We don't see him again. Well, even the whole mural thing was kind of unnecessary. Completely. I guess that's the kind of show that david doesn't want to be a businessman well he never expresses that to us we don't know that for sure why can't you be a business major and do art as your minor like is it one thing or the other the the part that confused me too so he's doing this mural and the mural was supposed you know that break in the law so they're hiding from the police when they're making the mural at the beginning of the movie right which to me seems like oh i'm breaking the rules and then when they have the naked lady and they're painting it the guy comes over, he's like, oh, I like the fact that you're letting loose. He's like, the guy's breaking the law, painting a mural. And also, that mural looks pretty damn good. Right. So if, if that guy was an artist, and he's in my painting class, and he paints a beautiful portrait, like a, like the Mona Lisa there in front of me, and then you're like, oh, God, this kid stinks. I love this cartoon, <laughs> this cartoon bubble butt version of this artist. is much better. You're finally playing around. What? Yeah, that made no sense. Um, and then, you know, and then again, we talk about skipping characters for, for 15, 20 minutes at a time. We go back to the, the, the father, so George Burns' son, and we have that one scene where he realizes he was kind of mean to his son, I guess, for years. Yeah. 
Again, kind of unnecessary because the character itself was unnecessary. <laughs> right. But and but I we, guess it did sort of had some sort of a, a wrap up to that story. Yes. I mean, it was kind of a little bit of a, a Christmas Carol, like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge thing. But even in that, he couldn't let his son just take over the company. He's like, we can do it 50-50. So he still couldn't give it that to him. Because he's a ruthless businessman. That is true. That is true. According to the synopsis that yes. IMDb had anyway. But, you know, so then the other thing that I, I couldn't believe, and it, it was one of those things where they are talking about the fact that this, you know, George Burns, we know now, was born in 1896. Um grew up as a teenager in the Great Depression. <laughs> like, he... His idea for a frat party, because uh, the, the college is talking about doing a toga party, and he's like, no, what we should be doing is uh, the Roaring Twenties, the Depression Party. <laughs> like, what kid yeah. in 1988 is going to want to do a, a party at, you know, playing up the Great Depression? Aren't we in the Roaring Twenties now? Yes, we are. <laughs> We sure, unfortunately, are. I just like the fact that everyone got super excited about it, too. They're like, yeah! Oh, Roaring Twenties! Woo! And not uh, just that, so... And again, maybe I'm looking too deep into it. You throw a toga party, please. right? Yeah. You grab a sheet, you put it on, there you go. You're ready to party. A poor college kid. These kids showed up in old-timey cars and <laughs> Tommy guns <laughs> and the suits and the, the little flapper dresses with the, the feather headbands. <laughs> I'm so old. Back in my day, they weren't Tommy guns. We called them Thomas guns. <laughs> That's a JC original. That's not from George Burns. <laughs> Bad betting. Um, yeah, no, they, the budget for all these kids at this, this roaring 20s party was insane. With a bonfire. The, with a bonfire, which did they have in the 20s? I don't know. Things are being merged together here. I don't think they had fire in the Depression. <laughs> no. They were jumping from buildings. Yeah, if you, if you had a bunch of fraternity brothers jumping from the roof to their deaths, I would have bought it. Like yeah. That would have made more sense. Um, then, uh, not, that we, not that we uh, approve of that behavior. No, I do not condone that whatsoever. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um the the president or uh, president fathead as we get to during this scene where he just start he starts fighting like he's in cobra kai with johnny lawrence leg kicking sweeping like spin kick yeah he was definitely doing some caporea <laughs> uh it, it just it really blew my mind but this time uh you know they he was ready for him david was ready for him and he fought back and and the entire fraternity just freaked out. They were loving it. They like basically, they basically impeached the president right then and there. Yep. And, a big line too. Yeah, exactly. And I think we we may have skipped over the fact that they also set up this championship meet where they're going to race in the meet, and they were going to put up like oh, money. A big poker game. Yes. Yes. Which I, I mean, also I feel like they missed, like, having the George Burns character playing a poker game in the CD basement, I feel like there's a lot more you can do with that, too. 
Well, he pretty much just sat down, bought in, and then immediately was like, I'm not playing this game. Let's race. Right. And like, it's a thousand dollars. And like, you've already stolen my girl. You've taken me out of my fraternity. No wonder this guy wants to kick his ass. <laughs> Very but then impressive. We get, we get to the big race. And this well, is where it gets weird. Well, we don't get to the big race yet because we have to switch the bodies back. And this is where I was going to ask you. Okay, okay, yep. I jumped ahead. But, but but that's a big part of it, right? The way they've set this up, and because David has been out of this movie for 62 minutes, why isn't the George Burns of it all racing? He just passes the baton because the bodies switch. He, now, all of a sudden, well, David's see, that's what I was going to get to. So... Yeah, let's, think, this, let's dive in. <laughs> this kid has no idea what's been going on. He's nope. been asleep for two weeks. Yes. So now all of a sudden, he's got a mural that's done. He's got this big race that he has to win, or that he qualified for, that he didn't even know that he was in. Yep. He has to win this big race now. He has the girl that he was in love with as his girlfriend. And yeah, his very he's serious not, He's not at all kind of taken aback like what happened because i don't recall jack filling him in on anything nope and i actually there are specific lines at the end of this movie where they reference the fact that he knows nothing that happened in the, the previous two weeks so he told him nothing about what happened he didn't even tell him that they switched bodies that's insane. That's a huge violation of, of trust, of judgment. And that does lead me to believe that that I think off screen he had to have had sex with that girl. Most likely. You don't become serious boyfriend and girlfriend without like getting it on that night. But actually, during the Roaring Twenties party, Red Buttons shows up. He's like, they're pulling the plug on your father. And nobody like. His father never at one point decided to say, hey, by the way, we're taking your grandfather off life support. If you want to say your goodbyes, I know that you almost died with him, but uh, sorry. Like, nothing's <laughs> being brought up here. My bad. And so they race to the hospital. The... Well, that's when, that's when he finally decides, oh, wait a second, now there's a sense of urgency to get him come out of there. Out of the blue. Not Two weeks goes by and he's fine, but the second he knows that his body's being pulled the plug on, we got to do something. And they have this scene where they cause so much carnage in the hospital. They're causing far more destruction <laughs> searching for George Burns' body. And the funniest part to me of everything is that he finds George Burns' body. He finds his body. And his instinct is to get into another car accident with the, with the stretcher. <laughs> he takes him and starts running down the hallway and just destroys a chapel. Which again, that's what switches the bodies back. Like they don't have a moment. They don't have like this thing to like signify that they're going to switch back. And if it's a religious thing, if it's in a chapel, they never established that the first time around. Yep. And, and not even a line as far as like, oh, don't let him go like this. Take me instead. You know, right. so, something that would have constituted some sort of a swap Yes, that's all I... Not not them crashing into a chapel and then they again graze hands and all of a sudden the man that was about to die is now back in... Like, the body, the 81-year-old body is okay. Yep, perfectly fine. 
And David is like, what the fuck just happened? I've been in a coma for two weeks. So now, can you imagine if you were that doctor that was like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Let's pull the plug. And next thing you know, they're, they're walking out of a, a <laughs> chapel accident. <laughs> well, and th- that's actually the, 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 the follow-up scenes I really enjoy are the scenes where George Burns shows up at the office to confront his son. And his son just thinks he's dead. And he's like, are you talking me through a speaker system now? Is that why we communicate with each other now, Dad? And he's like, no, I'm right here smoking this cigar. And then him showing up at his mansion with the butler. We didn't really talk about it all. He did. He was really a nothing in the movie. But he happily kicks out the broad, the sleazy girlfriend. Yep. And thankfully gets that plot point. No, you got to change that will because that bitch needs to get out of it. So I like I like those scenes because they both they everybody just assumes he was dead. They never actually watched him die. So they just leave the hospital for this old man to die alone. Whenever. Because he's a ruthless businessman. I guess. So. <laughs> um, so that brings us to the race, which, again, at this point. Jack Watson has to tell his grandson, by the way, you got to be at the at the track and field at 7 a.m. Get a Wait big race shoes. tomorrow. Yeah, gives him what I consider magical cleats, which was another question mark for me because he's like, these are my lucky cleats. Back in my day when I raced, they weren't allowed to have blacks on the field. Nineteen twenty nine, man, it's definitely true. It's definitely true, and this kid should have just lost the race, right? Well, he pretty much lost it from the like he was winded when they started. Yes. Which and, and then he was in a coma for two weeks. Well, he wasn't. His well, mind was. Right. I guess. I mean, but the body, we've already established that him and his own body anyway is nothing special. Well, he's probably sitting there trying to catch his breath. Like, why can't I breathe? Not knowing that someone's been smoking cigars for the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's. He's he's in last place. He's behind everybody. And Polly Shore rejoins the movie for the last like 30 seconds. And the girlfriend is there, which he doesn't yet know that they're boyfriend and girlfriend either. Right. But she blows him a kiss. And all of a sudden that motivates him. Uh, <laughs> uh, George Burns and Red Buttons are watching it like they're at the dog track with their binoculars. <laughs> And so somehow this kid wins the race just by a hair. And I, I not... do want to comment though on the the big bad's face as he's running towards oh, the very yes, end. Yes, the, the slow motion facial expressions that that guy is making should have won an award. <laughs> I thought he was leaking everything out of his body at once with that face <laughs> that he was making. Just jettisoning it out to get more speed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that what you're supposed to do with racing? I don't really know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. He wins the race, and the bully, the big bad, he comes up to him, and he's like... Doesn't say hey. a word. He's like, this guy going to give me shit for the rest of my life? And he just comes up to him and hands him the money, the wad of cash. What? That would, like, Grandpa, when you come on the field, I have so many questions. Why do I have $1,000 in cash in my hands right now? Why is the girl of my dreams kissing me right now? Like, why do I have a bad cough? <laughs> why all these things? And he goes, Grandpa, we still got to talk about what happened 
the last couple of weeks. So he's still like he had no conversation about it. And the girl is like, hey, David, we have to talk about Harry S. Truman again tonight. And he goes, my grandpa knows Harry S. Truman. Yeah, no shit, dipstick. Catch up. No, that brings up a good point. Like, if you were that girl after having all these conversations, sitting down and talking about it, and he was like, hey, my grandpa, like, wait a second. <laughs> what just happened here? Yes. I feel like we there was a real scene that was needed. We leave the chapel. We got to go back to that diner. And I got to tell you about everything that's happened over the last two weeks. Here's a full rundown. My Your dick almost w- definitely went in this girl. I enjoyed it. I made you some money. You're now the president of the fraternity. You're now a Star Trek star. You qualified for this big race that you have to win. I finished your mural question mark, I guess. I don't like I'm not a good artist. I don't know how I did it, but we did it. There's so much. Not only did he do all the bullies homework, but then he burnt it. (laughs) That's my favorite part, too. He did all the work, (laughs) which is I have to assume that work was shoddy that he burned. It was just like a piece of paper, like with another stick figure with giant boobs on it. And he just all the work that David did, because think of how much how mad I would be. Yeah. If I spent, because that wasn't just like a page through. These were like thick packets. <laughs> yeah. I, no, it's, but you're absolutely right. Again, this kid's life has been turned upside down and no conversation is had about it. Finally, he goes, no, because at the end of the movie, he doesn't even start telling him about the body swap. He starts telling him about Harry S. Truman again. And then we pan out. So my, my favorite thing is like this big, this wide shot of the field, the track and field. And David is legitimately carrying George Burns down the field. Like he's just like slunched over. Like I got you. It's like, it's that scene in the Muppet movies where like Miss Piggy and Kermit are like full bodied and their legs yep. don't really work very well. <laughs> like this weird, weird animatronics. Ugh. And that, that is the movie that is 18 again, exclamation mark. So now let's jump forward. Okay. In the movie. Yes. This is how I would end it. Okay. She's pregnant. He rushes her to the hospital. (laughs) The baby is born. He's looking in the big, the typical big glass where Mm -hmm. all the babies are. And there's another old woman next to him. And she says, oh, which one's yours? He (laughs) says, that one right there. And it pans over. The baby's got a cigar. <laughs> and a glass of cognac. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to piggyback off of that ending because I think that's brilliant. Because I think if you spent the whole movie establishing that George Burns' body's in a coma and this man has been pulled off of life support, then yeah, you should have killed off George Burns. He should have went back into his body and died, letting David deal with the, you know, has to live his life on his the own. Chaos. Right. And he's got to deal with it on his own. He's just lost his grandfather and and he doesn't really know what happened. And then he's, yeah, then his girlfriend's fucking pregnant. His brand new girlfriend he didn't know existed is now pregnant. They have that baby and it is George Burns reincarnated in this baby. (laughs) So you can do a voiceover at the very end. Look who's talking style with being like, hey, where's my mom's tit at? I'm hungry. (laughs) That's the movie. That's the end of the movie. I, I think Look Who's Talking came out a year later, so they didn't have that in their wheelhouse yet. They didn't know they could do that. 
That's actually where the concept of look who's talking came from. <laughs> I wish I was eight months again. Oh my god! All right, so we uh, we talked about setting this up to to really kind of playing, um, kind of rating these certain aspects of the movie to kind of give us a, a roundabout clue of where we landed on this. Let, let's say, as far as the magic of the swap, on a scale of go, one to ten. Yeah, I gotta go low. I gotta go with one because it, it wasn't really established. And I feel kind of bad because it's like the first episode, so I feel like I, you know. <laughs> we're, it's, we're setting a barometer, though, right? Because this is the first movie. Yeah. So, like, it can only get better from here, right? There has to be. <laughs> Um, I'm, I agree with you though. It's a one. They did no effort to explain how they swapped. They made no effort to determine whether it was the birthday cake wish, the car crash, the cleats, the holding the of the hands, the chapel. We don't know any of it. Like, yeah, like you got to give me something. I, I'm perfectly fine in a fantasy movie for them to bullshit their way through whatever. I can buy a lot. You got to give me something. You can't just let me, fig- you know, figure it out on my own. Okay, so that being said, and I feel this one's going to be skewed too because only one person really played right. the other character, which but is a the, big part of the scoring. Right. So the the actors playing the other role. So I mean, we can only really judge this on Charlie Schlatter's playing of George Burns. What do you think about this eighteen-year-old kid playing the? 81 year old i'm gonna go three maybe because it started out okay but so you feel like it got progressively worse yes okay so on a scale of one to ten you'd go with three i'll go with a three and it's a very generous three (laughs) i i feel like for me again i kept on thinking about all the people i would rather see like I, I feel like the missed opportunity of paulie shore not playing george burns yep like i would i would have loved to have seen him try that i'm sure i didn't i've never seen charlie schlatter like i don't even remember that ferris bueller pilot so i can't even tell you what i thought about that um i think he tried i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a two because i i feel like he could have and i don't know if it's the fault of just george burns is a very tough character to portray but without being able to see the flip side of it or seeing george burns play the 18 year old Overall, yeah. I have to give the experience like a, a two, because again, if he stayed being an eighty-one-year-old man in a nimble eighteen-year-old body, that's one thing. But it, they didn't keep that tone throughout, and it was back to like slouching and, and yeah, shuffling. That's, that's why I generously gave him a three because he was carrying the brunt of it all on his eighty-one slash eighteen-year-old shoulders. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. And so the final, the real important part of this here, the third piece that we rate is the dramatic stakes of this movie. The urgency of getting the bodies back together and getting their their souls back into the right place. Uh, <laughs> again, this is, I feel like this being our first movie, but the fact that it took two weeks for this to happen, and the only reason why it happened is because the hospital decided to take jack watson off life support this could have gone on forever yeah yeah this is definitely a one yeah uh, two, two weeks one technically two hospital visits 
But yeah, there there was no sense of urgency at all to to swap back. And when the stakes became stakes, when they realized, oh my God, my grandson might die. Okay, there there's something there. He's racing to the hospital. But like the fact that it it took something that extreme. Like, there's never a part in this movie where he's trying to discover how it happened or how to fix it. He never cares about that. Even yes. running to the hospital, he's got no game plan. He's just trying to plug him back into life support so he can go back and fuck his girlfriend. <laughs> he's got no plan at all. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I'm going to have to go with a one. So <laughs> I feel like this is really setting the bar low. <laughs> So basically you have rated this movie a five and I have rated this a four. And I think what I, we should do is give ourselves some, some leeway. And I'm going to say that we can give it a, we maybe give it like a, a two to three film buffer, but we could always go back and change our scores based on some of the movies that we gotcha. see. Yep. Like we're we're setting the bar super low right now, but we might the next movie we watch might just be fucking awful. Yes, we'll 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 say a potential curve to these grades. Yes, I think that's fair. I think that's fair to everybody involved. <laughs> um, but I think that's a pretty low. It's uh, a real low bar to set. I think there's room to improve in the body swap genre, and again, as a as a. As a young kid in 1988 watching this movie, I loved it. Like, I loved it. It really helps us see how stupid we were when we were younger. <laughs> agree. Agree. Um, so that being said, I still enjoyed it. I'm still looking forward to what's next. It's just, a, it's just an FYI to the listeners, to our new listeners. This is kind of a new endeavor for us. We're still figuring shit out. So if you didn't like it, back off. We'll get better, probably. I don't know. I can't guarantee Maybe. that. <laughs> Maybe. And you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, on iTunes. You can search for it under Potty Swap. You can search for it under um, Three-Way Theater. I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to set up a website for this. That way we can have kind of a hub to, to have all of our, okay. our stuff. I'll do some social medias. We'll, we'll actually make it a thing. Why not? Let's yeah. see what we can if, do with it. If you guys are out and about and you happen to see JC or myself out there, by all means, come over. We will go over this verbatim. <laughs> yes. Maybe not that far, but. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll recite it to you. I just took the, the transcript down, so we will read it to you. You know, we are totally into live performance art. So that's what we do. <laughs> All right, Kevin, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. This was, this was, uh, yeah. <laughs> this exists. This exists. And I think it can only get better from here. That's, that's the way I look at it. I think we can only improve upon it. Perfect. All right. Until next time. Have your, pets have your pet spirit and neutered. Have you, keep on swapping. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out, too. Be flat. Now time turns the pages, and old light goes so fast. The years turn the black hair all gray. I talk to some young folks. Hey, they don't understand. 
the words this old man's got to say. I wish I was 18 again, going where I've never been. But old folks and old oaks standing tall, just pretend. I wish I was 18 again. Lord, I wish I was 18 again.